episode of the shamrock uh pleased that we have a, a special guest today we've been trying to go for an all bald podcast for quite some time uh we couldn't get to rico so we went with clark lee um Notre Dame's defensive coordinator and joined as always by matt fortuna clark I, I, first off thanks for making some time for joining us and then um just to get right into it what has it been like to try to reconstruct rebuild put back together a defense from a distance for essentially the last three months um and deal with all the uncertainty that has has come with that. Well, I think it's well. First of all, let me say I'm honored to be on this all ball <laughs> podcast. I didn't I didn't put that together, but I realize that's the common thread here. Um, and um, and next time maybe we can go with Tariko and make it four. Um, I think that'd be pretty special too. Um, no, I think that the beauty of of where we are right now is that it's not about putting it back together. You know, I think um, you know we have a we have a, a you know depth of experience here we have um you know obviously conscientious players but they've been a part of this system they they know what we're about you know what our dna is and um yeah i think if anything you know in some ways it it strengthened our our connectivity being separate i know that sounds a little weird but you know um we really had to manufacture ways to to make sure we were staying connected and a lot of digital interaction and um you know um, full trust and confidence that they they were taking care of business, and you know I think that's been evidenced by the work they put in so far in the weight room. So um, you know, didn't feel like we had to you know break it all down and build it back up. I think we found ways to maintain the connectors, and and now we're we're hopefully um, you know building on the foundation that was set uh, in the winter and spring, and and uh, launching into a season. Any conversation I have with you, your peers, your players, uh, you're, you're a big relationship guy. I'm curious, how much has that been tested? How difficult has it been to uh, keep those relationships, build upon those relationships when, you, for the most part, haven't seen any of these guys for four months? Well, that's a great question. I, you know, I, I do think that playing defense in college football requires relationship. I think esprit de corps, the spirit of the unit um, shows up every Saturday. And I think, um, you know, when you have a, a, a group of guys that genuinely feels like um, there's, there's love and respect um, amongst uh, the room, including the coaching staff, um, those guys will inevitably play a little longer and, and compete a little harder. And, um, that's been a hallmark of what we wanted to put together here <clears throat> from coach Kelly uh, uh, as, as a team. And then obviously for me on defense, but the, the, the separation in the quarantine actually um, in an interesting way um, allowed for relationships to go a little deeper. I think that with just, you know, on a human level, you know, all the things we're experiencing through this quarantine um, allowed for a, a deepening of a relationship. And I think one thing, one, one great inhibitor to, to like, you know, um, again, an authentic, genuine relationship in, in sports is this idea that things can become pretty transactional if you don't, if you don't pay attention to it. You know, I don't care about this unit and care about these players because they play on Saturdays. I don't care about this unit and care about these players because they're good at what they do. I mean, I think this is, for me about um, 
a collective experience where we're creating something together that we want to be proud of in 10 and 15 years. I think that I oversee a group of young people that are transitioning into adulthood. And I think I have an incredible responsibility to them to model, um, you know, what, what, what being um, a loving and caring, uh, you know, man in our society means. And so um, the opportunity I had was to strip the football out of it and just call and, and say, Hey, how you doing? <laughs> you know? And um, you know, I think it's fun to build the relationship based off common interest and the shared interest of football and performance. And, you know, um, I think as a coach, you can be validated really quickly if you're, if you're equipping your players with skills that allow them to find success on the field. But, you know, when you take that away, it really becomes, um, a willingness to, to, uh, dive in and, and, you know, on a personal level, um, you know, get to know your players a little better. So, you know, we, we, we managed that the best we could, but we, we did it on FaceTime. We did it on group text. We did it in a, in a zoom meeting, you know, whatever it was, uh, we made sure we were maintaining connectors and, and spending time on things outside of football. One of the things that I think is interesting about your style of coaching is you're, you're kind of evolving your messaging constantly, whether that's, you know, books you're reading or, you know, documentaries or just sort of like hearing ideas from your players and having a back and forth about, you know, the messaging that really resonates with them. Has that, has that in some ways been amplified with things being at a distance? And, you know, are there examples where you're, you're diving into, you know, a new story, whether that be, you know, and we've talked about, um, you know, free solo, the, the, the climbing documentary, or, you know, you had referenced David Goggins, a former Navy SEAL that I think you had, uh, Bo Bauer maybe have brought that up. Like, has that, has that been sort of amplified in this time about, okay, what, what are some new fresh ways I can reach my players? Because, um, you know, the, the distance, you know, plays a part in that. You know, it's another really good question. I I think um, for me, as I as I kind of reflect on the evolving messaging, I think I think a a part of that is is reflective of my personal journey. And so I feel like with every day, every week, every month, every year, whatever, you know, I'm personally uh, still a work in progress and transforming. And so my perspective on one thing um, at 38 is different than it was at 28. And um, because of that, you know, you're always just kind of reimagining what your role is, um, how you can be impactful within your role and, and through my own journey and the things that I consume, um, you know, things hit you a little differently and, and you're, you're apt to share those things to, to, um, again, to hope, hopefully progress the evolution of each player that you're working with. Um, you know, one interesting thing about, you know, where we sit currently is just, you know, it's particularly in football. I mean, we have such a, um, <clears throat> and, and, you know, coach has done a great job here of, of constructing this, this process and we're process driven. Um, but even, even within that, I think human nature is always to, to dive into process to understand how it impacts outcome. And I think when you're in a, in kind of a suspended state where you're, you, there's a lot of uncertainty, you, you really have to cease to um, try to project when I'm going to use the skills that I'm currently building and start to look at each day as an opportunity just to find uh, another level of performance within myself. And um, that is a, <laughs> I mean, that's something even when I say it, like I know it, it sounds very philosophical, um, 
but I, you know, that's something that I'm wrestling with. I mean, look, when you're, when you're mid quarantine, um, and you have three kids and, um, you know, there's every reason to hit snooze and, and, um, to sleep. There's every reason to stay up late watching movies. You know, why, why is it important for me to maintain discipline, to keep my edge, to maintain a level of preparation? Um, and I think wrestling with those questions and finding the answers to them, um, make this as a, you know, on a, again, on a human level, um, make this a, a, a very important time for all of us. Um, and so to, to your point, yes, I think this has been interesting for me in terms of what I've experienced, um, sharing my personal experiences, both the successes and failures uh, with the players, I think has helped them frame their experience. And, you know, I hope at some level, you know, um, you know, we can, we can use this to, to detach from outcome and just, and really focus just on like, Hey, each day is an opportunity again to, to reach for our highest level. And we can, we can review the day at the end and know that we're going to wake up tomorrow and have another, another opportunity um, to, uh, to go a little further. And I think through that, you know, understanding, not only will we, we become a better unit and better players, but I think, you know, that'll be applied long-term as well. In that same vein, what do you think you've done for yourself the last three or four months to protect your mental health, to avoid burnout, uh, to give the most of yourself to the most amount of people as possible? And with that being said, I mean, are, are you reading more? Do you learn to cook something? I mean, what, what, what have you learned kind of away from the football field about yourself during this time yeah. of, of kind of self-reflection? Um, well, I think for me, you know, may, you know, again, this is per personal, but, um, maintaining, um, you know, the best I can, a structure, a structured day, you know, I wake up and, um, um, I spend my time in the morning, which, which is sacred, you know, for any parent that understands, you know, at a certain point, um, all hell breaks loose. So you, you know, you want to make sure uh, <laughs> that you, you carve out some time where you can, you can experience some stillness um so, so you're up at five o'clock then i'm up early <laughs> okay um that's right uh pete you know um especially here because you know look we're not helped out by the fact that we're on the what is it the the westernmost part of the eastern time zone so that sun's up till 10 o'clock um all bedtimes are out the window um but no you know waking up waking up and going to bed and trying to maintain a discipline with that i think has been important that's something i've done um, for my mental health, um, because I think early on I realized if I didn't, um, you know, inevitably we soften. <laughs> so I didn't want to, I wanted to make sure again, that for me, I, it's always this burden of responsibility where you're modeling the behavior that you know your players need to, to take for themselves too, to be successful. So, um, I, I did a ton of reading. I mean, I, I think I, I, you know, like five books, um, early on. And then, here lately, it's been more <clears throat> football focused, but th th you know, a lot of that's been on my own. I, I've, I've tried not to, you know, detain the the coaching staff on defense on Zoom calls too much, just because I do think there's a level of of digital burnout at some point, and we need this this time to be parents and you know husbands. I mean, we need to we need to like immerse ourselves in our families. I think that is rejuvenative and restorative and. Um, you know, I've tried to do that also. And I know, I think coming out of this, um, I, I won't get that chance back. And so I've, I've enjoyed, you know, the, the chances to have some time with the family that's not, 
you know, that's not, that's, I haven't had to be taken away at the odd hours of the morning or odd hours at night or travel, you know, I mean, it's, it's been nice. So. I was curious about, you'd, you'd sort of reference like learning, you know, from successes, failures, um, you know, whether it be at UCLA, Syracuse, Bowling Green, Wake, like is, has there been a failure in your career what you, you think has been sort of most um, impactful that has really sort of adjust significantly adjusted the way you see your profession and how to do it? Yes. I mean, well, um, certainly um, when I like reflect and, and I, by the way, I don't think I'm done failing. So <laughs> I always, <laughs> I always feel like, um, you know, um, and I think this is a, a disease, um, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're one, one bad game away from a really hard learning experience. And, you know, that, that certainly has been, that's, that's come up here, um, you know, over the past couple of years, but no, um, you know, when I reflect on my career, I think I see both, um, you know, just this, this need to always put the, next foot forward, you know, to, to stay, uh, no matter, you know, how rocky the ship becomes, you just, you have to keep, uh, believing in yourself and, and as long as you're continuing to acquire skills and continuing to learn, I think one thing that is so important for, for everyone, but it's certainly for a football coach where I'm only as impactful as my messaging is strong and heard. And so, um, you know, to, to keep looking at something and understanding how I am perceived and, and working on, um, making sure that there's no <clears throat> misunderstanding, um, uh, between, you know, coach and player. Um, and so you look at it, you look at a career and you say, okay, um, where has that been really strong from the top down? Where has that faltered in certain areas? Um, you know, from the top down, you know, where have I, um, you know, like, been so maniacal um, in my own pursuits that I've forgotten that, you know, I'm being unfair. Like one of the best lessons I learned was not to coach players like they're little versions of me. <laughs> like, you know, not, not everyone is, is compulsive. Like it's okay. I, I, and it's not important for them to be like me. In fact, I don't want to be around people like me. Like I want, I want them each to bring their own personal perspectives. And in a, I think my challenge is, how I strengthen in certain areas that, that need work and where, where my experience can help in that. So I'm being long winded, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's, um, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily want to talk specifics because I think to talk specifics is unfair to the people that I've learned from and the situations I've learned from. Uh, but I would just, I would just say to confirm your point. I mean, there are many aspects of my career that have delivered me to this moment. And I know that there are going to be many, to come that will deliver me to my finished product whenever that is. We had Muffin McGraw on the show uh, about a month or two ago, and, and she mentioned, you know, your guys' relationship, and, you know, you seem like a guy who's always looking outside the, the football playing field, so to speak, uh, to learn leadership lessons and to learn more efficient ways of going about your business. Who are, are some of the people who have influenced you in that regard, uh, away from the football field, maybe even away from sports, who, who you've reached out to and who have been receptive? Well, I mean, I, I think I've I've tended to 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 stay in in 
sports when it comes to researching. Um, obviously, I read I read a lot that's outside, and, and I, I tend to read um, nonfiction uh, just because I do think um, that that applies most directly to to what we go through. Um, but you know, Don Meyer was a guy that that um, he's passed, but he, he, I went to his camps as a kid, and um, Jerry Meyer, who who works in basketball recruiting for 24 seven sports is his son. Um, and Jerry was my coach, uh, in high school basketball. Um, but Don was a guy that, um, built this incredible career, um, in, in, in basketball and at the NAIA level, um, and, and, and just had such a, a unique perspective and process. And, you know, even, even during this quarantine, going back through, um, like, um, Old, old, you know, we like we all have done. I imagine at some points you go into store and say, "Okay, like, what can I get rid of?" Um, you know, I, I found some notebooks that I had at his camps when I was a kid, which is the sickness of like, you know, like not not like purging your stuff. But it was so cool because I one of the things I saw in there was like, um, "Do do you know the feeling of an all out effort? Like we work for the like what it feels like to go." This is me writing as like a ten year old in a book from Don Meyer like aspiring to, to know the feeling of an all out effort. And, and to me, like I, immediately I was like, that's something I want to share with our guys because um, that is what we're after. So anyways, Don, Don was formative for me um, and continues to be even, even, even though he's passed. Um, uh, Tim Corbin's a guy that, um, you know, we've spoken before about, but um, you know, I, I just think the world of coach Corbin um, and what he's done, I think, Again, I have a little experience in the in the baseball background, and so um, just enjoying, um, you know, watching what he's built there, and 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 getting a, getting an opportunity to peek behind the curtain and and learn. Um, there's a lot. Of, I feel I feel like, and I don't want this to sound like I'm I I, I don't feel anywhere close to his his um, abilities, but personality wise, I feel like there. I just there's a I relate to his perspective and, and so I, I appreciate learning how he's taken his personality and built, you know, a winning program around it. Um, you know, I've, I've enjoyed hockey as a sport because, um, you know, I, I think there's this element of, of um, team and toughness that is embodied in that game that, and I didn't know much about it growing up, but my son plays, my oldest son plays. So I've, I've I've grown to watch it, but I've enjoyed interacting <clears throat> with um, Coach Slager, Coach Jackson, and the staff here. Um, they, they've been helpful too, just in, in um, and, and again, I, you know, you can watch those games and literally, like, you know, you, you look at a press basketball team, you look at the pressure that a good press basketball team applies. Um, that's what you want to do um, as a, as a defense in football, you know, um, you look at a, a good four checking team in hockey. Um, you, 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 you know, one of the things I love to watch is a team that can't get the puck out of the, the zone because the four check is so physical and it's, it's uh, suffocating to me. That's what we're trying to do on defense. And so, you know, I, looking for like relationships and coaching networks that allow for, for a deeper understanding of what they're after um, certainly the human element of coaching, there's cross pollination. Um, you know, I, you mentioned coach McGraw, like that was one of those things where it's like, you know, you have this person who has reached such a height in the profession, literally right across the street. Like 
I, I'm not doing my job unless I have an opportunity to sit down with her. And, and, and that relationship has flourished. I got to watch her work in practice. And, um, you know, you just, you're just always looking for, for things that you can take from others' experience. And that, and that way, maybe you can build yourself along the way through the help of others. And then the last thing I'd say to you is, you know, I've learned more from working with Brian Kelly, I think, than I, I have the entirety of my career. I mean, you know, he has um, such a challenging job on so many levels. And for him to sustain the excellence he's sustained here, and, and at times made incredibly hard decisions. And um, I, I just, I think there's a level of toughness there that is not talked about that, um, you know, I have absolutely learned from his example. And then as we've grown closer in our relationship, him, you know, sharing with me some of the things that uh, he looks at and looks for, I mean, it's, it's been evolutionary for me. So, um, you know, uh, you try to learn from anyone I can, certainly uh, that's related to football, but if it, if it, and, and sport in general, but, you know, obviously there, there are plenty of people out there, uh, the Tom Mendoza's of the world that, you know, we, we, you know, I sit and we'll talk with and anyone who's risen to any level of success or anyone who's, who's ex experienced, uh, you know, earth shattering failure that is willing to share about it, I think are, are experience or are, are opportunities for me to learn. This might be a good segue to a question. This is a question I asked, uh, Brian Kelly, maybe two summers ago. And I, I phrase it this way. I said, you know, you were hired here at Notre Dame because like Notre Dame football needed to change. Like something was broken about it and they hired you to fix it. So you, you were, you were the change agent, but over time, like Notre Dame sort of changes you back. Like, so, you know, when you came here three years ago with Mike Elko, like you were here to change Notre Dame's defense, but like how has Notre Dame as a place, as an institution sort of changed you a little bit over the last three years? Well, <clears throat> that, <laughs> that's a good one, Pete. Um, you know, I, I think that, you always have this feeling of it, or at least I have in my career. And even, even as a player, when I was at Vandy playing, you know, you, I had this like, um, and I think in, in some ways, when you, when you look at it, like you can get so cynical in, in any career, any profession, and it's easy to get negative and to get a negative intent on your lens because you just become so entrenched in whatever politics control, you know, whatever you're, whatever you're, I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, Media yeah. negative. I, don't know. <laughs> um, I think like when I, when I was a fifth year senior at Vandy and I was, I, I knew I wanted to coach and I was thinking about, you know, what kind of environment I wanted, you know, you always think like your, you know, the dreams are big. So like one environment you want to create, you know, what you want it centered on There's always this feeling of like, you know, Hey, this, we're going to do this the right way. And we're going to win the right way. And we're going to win through relationships. Um, you know, it's just doubling down on the belief in, in human potential and what we're, we're capable of doing if there's an environment where we're unselfish and we believe in each other. Um, and so I think like, you know, over, over time and over working at different places, you can become focused on all the reasons that you're not able to do that. And, you know, then coming here, I realized like, wow, this, this, this actually exists. This is the, this is the place, you know, I think we have such a commitment to standards and values here that are, that are, you know, the tone is set at the top. This is a university driven program. We, we function in lockstep with our, with our university, which is one of the, one of the greatest in the world. Um, 
And, you know, there is no compromise in here. And so, um, you know, that part of working here is just, is just kind of like reconnected me with this belief in that um, not everything has to do with, you know, circumventing rules or finding loopholes or, you know, and, and, and there is a place where you're appreciated, not just for your on-field results, but for the fact that you are building and investing in young people every day. And I think that's been um, a lot of fun for me too. Um, so I, I feel like I've, I've strengthened here both, both, you know, in my role, um, certainly as a linebacker coach. And then, and then as I transition to coordinator, I think, you know, just the experience, I mean, you, you, you know, I mean, like, like I've learned from the ups and downs of making a good call and making a bad call, but I think Brian Kelly's um, mentorship here has meant a lot to me and he's really grown me in this role. Um, and, and then his commitment to doing things a certain way, I think is just, um, again, something that I don't know that's appreciated all the way, you know, Jack Swarbrick, the, the department he runs on up to, to father John, you know, I mean, I think, um, it, it's just, it's, it's this place is what college athletics should be. And, um, and so, you know, I think in some ways it's just strengthened, you know, my, my affinity for college football and, and what I believe to be the role of a coach. Bit of an off the wall one here, but you know, you've talked about reading a lot. You mentioned like 10 year old notes you wrote years ago that, that you were looking back through. Have you thought about putting all this into a book one day and, and, and what would that look like uh, if you were to do that? Um, I, there, you know, um, I am the reader now. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't, I don't feel like um, I'm still collecting, you know, um, and I've got a long way to go. So um, I don't, I hope that I can just live my life out in search of, you know, um, a better understanding, um, that I can, I can find a way to be a better functioning, um, like I said, a mentor and, and be better in my role and my responsibilities that I'm given. But I mean, I don't, I don't know beyond that, that I have any, uh, uh you know, future books to be written. Um, stick to podcasting with us. That's right. There you go. All right. Well, Clark, we'll let you get out of here on this. Uh, you know, whenever Notre Dame plays football again, how is the defense going to look different from the last two years? I mean, you, you sort of have to reinvent yourself every year. Uh, you know, some years you have Tavon and Drew in the middle and Jerry in front of them. Some years you've got, you know, Jeremiah Wusukormo on the edge and Julian O'Quarr and Khalid Kareem, like, you know, at defensive end. How How is this group going to to look different as you as you you sort of evaluate it um you know whenever it gets back together well it's it's the it's the great mystery right i mean um you know you're exactly right and i think we've had really you know what will be three distinct you know looks i mean that first year for me as coordinator um you know we were pretty pretty salty through the middle and um you know that that gave a lot of peace of mind that, you know, we weren't going to be absorbing a ton of rushing yards and we, their teams were going to have to go elsewhere with the ball. Um, last year, we, you know, we were developing the middle and we knew the edge rush, you know, was going to create problems. Um, I think what it forces me to do is to keep getting better at my job, which is, you know, um, is thinking outside the box, devising scheme that, that puts these guys in the right positions 
Um, we don't carry packages over just because it's what we do. We, we try to look at it and say, all right, wipe the board. Here's what you have. How are you best going to put it on the field, assemble 11 guys to, to um, play, play most effectively? Certainly for us, what I do know is we're going to be uh, more invested, uh, more in touch with, um, again, um, you know, the DNA of, of who we are and, and what we want to accomplish, what we want to create together. Um, I feel an alignment with the players um, that, that's, that's even deeper than it's been. And that's, that's the result of all the investment that, that the guys have made, both the ones that are still with us and the ones that we lost. Um, look, you know, losing those two safeties, Elohi and Jalen, I mean, that is, a, that is a huge leadership vacuum. Um, you know, losing our two edge players that were both captains, um, you know, uh, that, that's a, that's a huge, you know, leadership vacuum. But the beautiful thing is the imprint that those guys leave, uh, stays with us. Their legacy is going to be, uh, carried with, with this, this young talented core that's going to grow up another year. And, you know, we will occupy the spaces differently, but I think, um, you know, because of the efforts of the guys who've moved on, um, we're going to be able to, to, to build upon that foundation and, and find a way to be better than we've been. At least that's the mission. And we'll falter along the way. I mean, inevitably, it's just like anything. I mean, the, 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 we'll look back on this, this upcoming season and the story will be a winding path. But hopefully, again, we, we find our rhythm along the way and, and um, you know, we create something special. That's always the goal. Clark, we appreciate your time. You know, it's uh, a lot of uncertainty out there. We're all kind of making it up as we go along in, in some way, shape, or form day to day. But uh, appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with us to let us get back to our roots. This podcast was originally going to be called Domes on Domers. Uh, and maybe we'll get to <laughs> rename it after this episode. That's good. No, I, I, listen, I appreciate y'all uh, taking the time with me. And I, I thank you for everything you do for our sport. It means a lot. So uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Clark. All right, awesome. Guys. Yeah. Thanks, Clark. Okay. Yeah, we'll see you. Grab your peanuts and popcorn. Baseball is back. That's right. The boys will be getting back out on the diamond this week. And while we may not be able to join them at the park, there is plenty of action to be had in the comfort of home. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you on the field with a shot to play risk-free for a shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy baseball is easy to play. Just pick 10 players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. There's no better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars. But if baseball isn't for you, don't worry. DraftKings has plenty of other fantasy golf action for this weekend's tournament. With millions of dollars up for grabs this week, there is no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code RUN to get a free shot at a share of the millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code RUN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Well, Matt, that was our our much anticipated and long scheduled interview with Clark Lee on the Shamrock, and 
I feel like it it went about exactly as I thought it was going to deal. A lot of a lot of big picture, a lot of philosophy talk, a lot of what makes Clark Lee very unique in the coaching profession. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It was everything I expected to be. If I could have gotten one more in, and maybe there he may not have had a great answer for this, but I'm genuinely curious. Anytime I hear him talk, is how many of your peers in this business do you talk to who think and act the same way you do philosophically? Because I haven't seen a whole lot of them. Yeah, no, he's he's rare, and like I've I've had multiple Notre Dame assistants say like he is he's a unique a unique bird in this industry. Um, there just there are not a lot of people like him, which is, and I think it's you know would I, would we love to have every Notre Dame assistant on as a podcast guest for the sake of access? Uh, sure, but I think we all know not all of them would be good interviews. Um, you know not you wouldn't get a lot of insight from all of them. Um, Clark definitely is at the top of that list, which is, is why we, why we wanted him. So I guess the most interesting thing he said to you, I mean, other than that, I got two good questions and you only got one, what really stuck with you? I wasn't keeping score here. Uh, I'll have to go back and listen. Um, when he talked about uh, his influences growing up and going back during quarantine to the basement and, you know, clearing out some stuff and finding notebooks uh, of his grade school basketball coach, I think he said it was, uh, you know, talking about exerting total, complete effort as a 10-year-old. And instead of throwing that out like he intended to do with whatever he thought he'd find there, he kept that, saved that, and shared it with his roster, which I think if there were an anecdote or a glimpse into what makes this guy such a unique mind and such an effective uh football coach, I don't know if you can do better than that because uh, I don't know too many people who, they're all pushed by something, they're all influenced by something. I don't know if they all have that kind of uh, Isaac Newton type of uh, happenstance in which they can just find a good idea, its origins, and translate that into a room full of uh, dozens of people. Yeah, we he didn't really get into a ton of specifics about different uh, you know, messaging vehicles, whether that be uh, books or documentaries or just sort of other sports. You know, you, you talked about some of the coaches. You, you brought up Muffet McGraw and you mentioned Tim Corbin, the baseball coach at Vanderbilt, uh, which I'd written about that relationship last year. Uh, I know in some other conversations that I have with Clark, he's he's sort of trying to figure out, you know, are, are there applicable lessons in the EPL? Uh, and he's watched some documentaries on that, whether it be Man City or uh, Sunderland Until I Die is a Netflix documentary that I know that he's watched and found kind of interesting. Um, I always, and I think it sort of comes back to something he, he's he said before, is like, you know, football coaches, can we, I don't know if he said it exactly this way, but can we stop having every lesson be a Peyton Manning, Tom Brady lesson at some point, like are there, are there other things we can talk about? Uh, and I think sort of that curious mind that he's got is, is would probably be good anywhere. I think it's particularly good at Notre Dame. Um, and I, I realize that he's in the business of stumping for his current employer, but when he's talking about how getting to Notre Dame sort of re-energized him that the coaching profession doesn't need to be about how many corners can I cut? How quickly can I cut them? Um, at a place like Notre Dame, I, I, I certainly take that at face value. I think I thought that was kind of an interesting part of the interview as well. We've, I feel like we've broached this subject before on this podcast and I didn't mean to bring it up, uh, on this episode, but because we're talking about it, I figure we should, um, you know, 
Brian Kelly's tenure is coming to an end sooner rather than later, I think, when, when you talk about being 11 years already at one place and approaching Lou Holtz's uh, wins mark. You know, forever and ever and ever it was whoever has to – whoever is going to coach this place has to have head coaching experience. We don't want a disaster like Charlie Weiss again. You need a guy who's been in there, that seat before, who knows what he's getting into, yada, yada, yada. I, I had no quibbles with that philosophy. Uh, the more and more – I hear Clark Lee talk. The more and more I see his defenses play, uh, the more and more people I talk to who work with him in the industry, I definitely have at least opened my personal mind uh, to the idea of him possibly succeeding Brian Kelly whenever that day comes. And I say that, you know, in the right scenario, right? If Brian, if the scandal happens, if he if he gets fired, if whatever, you know, if it ends ugly, certainly they're not going to just promote someone from within. But if you know. Ryan Kelly makes a playoff, you know, in the next year or two and says, all right, it's been a great run and wants to designate someone or have some kind of influence in how Notre Dame looks without him or whatever that may be. I, I, I'm just much more uh, open to the scenario of Clark Lee having his next job be the Notre Dame head coach as opposed to him being a head coach elsewhere, coming back five years and then being, being the Notre Dame head coach. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, that's a topic that's not going away, right? Like, I feel like I get it my mailbag every other week is a Clark Lee head coach and waiting question. Um, I, I'm with you that I'm more, that I'm more open to it now as, as a concept than I've been in the past. Um, you look at, look at the playoff. Yep. LSU, Oklahoma, Iowa state, um, you know, Georgia, you you have to you include them in that group as well. You know, with Kirby smart, Clemson, I mean, Dabo is their receivers. Clemson, has been there forever. So I, and I have, I asked Jack Swerberg about this a year ago and he's like, yeah, you know, we, things were broken 10 years ago. So we needed a builder. Stuff's not really broken right, right now. Um, you know, Notre Dame's going to be one of those rare programs where the head coach goes out on his own terms at his own time, most likely. Um, you know, is Clark Lee the kind of guy that you would want to go with? I, in, in, in many ways. Yeah. Um, you know, is he going to be if if recruiting is your most important thing? Is that is that the guy you would tab? I don't that I'm not so sure about, but I don't know how Jack Swarbrick sees that because um, I think some of the things that make him a great interview that that curious mind, um, you know, well read, very good communicator. I think that will make him a great head coach somewhere. Um, does it also? make him a great recruiter, which is a huge part of the job. I, that that That's something I, I think I'd like to see more from over the next couple of years with him. Um, to see, like, it, does he have sort of that dog mentality on the recruiting trail that, um, one, is it's, it's just tough to develop. Uh, but I but I do think it's, it's so important if Notre Dame is going to move up the recruiting rankings and be more of a, a top five aspir, uh, aspirational recruiting program. Yes and no. I mean, Brian Kelly still faces those questions 11 years in. Does he have, does he have it in him to be that kind of recruiter? Yep. And granted, he's much more, at least when he's in front of the camera, uh, however often or, or not often that is, um, you know, you, you could see the energy and whatnot when he talks and understand why he could be good at this and why. I think that's part of the disappointment, frankly, in the Notre Dame fan base with him is everyone thinks he can do it and just isn't doing it. However true or untrue that may be um i i think you know the scenarios we mentioned it, it would have to be with with brian kelly 
going out on his own terms, which seems more likely than not, but you never know. Yes. Uh, and two is the timing. Uh, Lincoln Riley got the Oklahoma job, I think, in June. Uh, Ryan Day had at least already had the Urban Meyer infrastructure and some interim coaching stints earlier that season where it was basically a test run, whether it was announced that time or not. Um, I, I think Jack Swarbrick, whomever is making the decisions at, at that time, whenever it comes, there's definitely, if it was a traditional end of season uh, stepping down, I do think it's a tough sell if you're an athletic director at Notre Dame to basically not have a coaching search. And mm-hmm. maybe you have one and promote Clark anyway, but no one's going to take it that way. And we've seen other places at USC. I mean, Clay Helton still has his job right now um, after getting promoted from within without having a search. And, and you know, Clay Helton, I think, could win a national championship and still be playing from behind with that fan base because of the way he got hired and the way, um, you know, j- just the way he kind of was set up to fail in that sense because the athletic department just didn't really have a thorough search and do its due diligence as far as exploring other potential candidates. So I think there are a lot of politics that go into it um, that, that make this a lot more complicated than simple. All right, he's done a good job. He's earned a spot. He knows the place. Let's do it. Uh, but, but I'm definitely more open to that idea after two years of him here, of anyone doing it, but particularly him than I was before. Yeah, it's like, what does Notre Dame look like? Is Jack Swarbrick still around? I, I don't know. Um, you know, he certainly has a lot of capital around Notre Dame with the administration here. Um, that I guess I sort of feel like, at a minimum, Clark Lee would get a serious interview for the job. Um, you know, is there the, you know, Luke Fickle, Matt Campbell... Um, I don't know who the next big thing will be three years from now, but um, you know, I think you, Notre Dame would be doing itself a disservice if it didn't also interview those candidates. Um, but I think Clark has certainly done enough to like, all right, let's take a look. Like, what would this look like? And maybe that's where um, you know the Boston College experience last December works in his favor. That he's he's sort of gone through. Okay, here's how a program would. Here's how I would run a program if I was running it. Um, I haven't really got a chance to talk to him about it. You know, Brian Kelly, I asked him in Orlando about, you know, sort of what's next for Clark. Now that, now that you know, like you sort of declared what everyone already knew that you want to be a head coach. Like, what are some of the things you have to think about? Um, and I think that's, that would be a fun story to do down the road is just, all right, how, you know, is Clark Lee going to spend some time in, did he spend some time in May thinking about, like, well, this is the kind of offense I would run or like, this is the staff I would put together. Um, you know, other than Nick Lazinski as your linebacker coach, you have to make a bunch of other hires. Um, so that's, I think that's, he's probably much farther down that road today than he was at this time a year ago. Um, you know, and I would think that going through that process with Boston College would have would have helped quite a bit with that. I think so. I mean, speaking to people in that area, they were very impressed with him. I mean, he didn't lose the job. But that was that much was was certain. Um, Jeff Halfley won it, um, which is not exactly the same vibe I got from that school when a certain other former Notre Dame defense coordinator interviewed for the Boston College head job many years ago. Um, ended up becoming head coach in that region anyway a year later. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, on the Brian Kelly point, um, I you know I, I'd gone into this interview with Clark Lee planning to ask him about what he had learned from Brian Kelly, and he kind of took it upon himself within another answer to to go down that road and one of the things that i found interesting that um i think is a thousand percent true and isn't amplified enough if you will is um 
the the level of toughness it takes to sit in that seat for that long, make some of the difficult decisions he's had to make, and uh, not just build this program or rebuild this program or fix this program, but turn this program into you almost go into it now every year thinking, all right, they're going to win 9, 10, maybe 11 or 12 games in a good year. Um, and no one, you just, I, I, I'm sure I've said that this. used to be a great year. Like, you know, that's the difference to me. It's right. like they're going to win 9, 10 games. That's a good year. Before that would be like, awesome, return to glory. That was a great year. Now there's, there's a, a baked in expectation. Right, and I don't know if he's gotten enough credit for that. Um, he's obviously had his slip-ups, as anyone would, when you're at that high of a level for more than a decade now. Um, but especially at a job with that much pressure as Notre Dame has, I mean, how many coaches have we seen, not just at Notre Dame, but around the country, where people just worry about stuff that doesn't matter and they let it get the best of them? Brian's level of not giving a you-know-what and I mean this in a complimentary way, is remarkable because I think that's how you have to be when you're at that level to keep the main thing the main thing, to keep your eyes on the big picture, and to to not waver. And um, whenever his time comes uh, to, to, to end his reign as Notre Dame's head coach, that more than anything, I think, there's a stability factor is what's going to be really, really hard to replace. Yeah, and that's it's interesting. I did an alumni event with Tony Alford that was like 10 years ago now, but um, we were out in Denver speaking to an, uh, the uh, alumni club out there. And I asked, I was sort of like moderating the discussion. And I said, like, basically, so what's the difference between Charlie Weiss and Brian Kelly? You worked at the same place for both of them. And he said, that's its own podcast. Yeah, but, but he said, the, I mean, and it was like, he didn't have to think about it. He knew. It was like, when things went bad, and Charlie Weiss is the head coach. Like the plan gets ripped up. He's starting over. Like we were doing A. Now we got to do F. Like scrap X. Let's do L. Um, it, you could really sense sort of the change overnight. It was just that there was an inconsistency, a reactiveness to it. And he said, you know, with Brian Kelly, and this was back. I mean, we're talking about Alexander Teach, Navy, and uh, the Tol- Tommy Reese Tulsa interception days. Is that Brian Kelly is unbelievably steady and just sticks with what he knows has worked because it's worked for him the previous 20 years and he's not going to change on that. Like, yeah, I think Brian Kelly definitely had to have a, a, a serious come to Jesus moment after 2016, but there's a there's a real certainty and self belief that he has that I, I think is is pretty underrated um, and just so so important that for making Notre program stable for the first time really since I started covering them in 2001. Have you had a chance to ask uh, Coach Alfred about the difference between Brian Kelly and the boss he left Brian Kelly for, Urban Meyer? I have asked about that, and he said that the difference is one of them is (laughs) in your office and up one of your orifices uh, about recruiting at all times, and the other one lets you do your job. So, Yeah, I haven't haven't spoken to Tony specifically about that, but I've spoken to enough people who have worked for both where – one almost looks like a, a vacation compared to what the other <laughs> looks like. And people can interpret they interpret that a million different ways. But uh, at least with this current Notre Dame staff, and I don't know if it was always this way because I think you need to establish your program and your brand to a certain level before you're comfortable enough to do this. But at least with this staff, 
pretty much to a man, and I don't know all of them as well as I know some of them, uh, they love working for Brian Kelly because he lets you do your job. And, hey, in 2016, that almost bit him in the in, in the rear end. But, you know, for the most part, it's a philosophy that has benefited him extremely well and has made Notre Dame a very desirable place to work. Yeah, I think even coaches who have been fired by Brian Kelly liked working for Brian Kelly. You know, they don't... You don't you don't hear a lot of uh, animus over the long haul. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if we'll ever be able to recruit Brian Kelly to come onto our podcast, but um, he'll announce his decision and his succession plan on here. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, considering what Notre Dame did with Muffet McGraw and Nael Ivy, uh, who knows? Maybe maybe it will be an hour long process, but I'm guessing probably not. Uh, as for our next Shamrock. Um, I think we'll be back sometime in the next couple of weeks because it, it sounds like college football news is maybe coming fast and furious over the next 14 days or so. I, I mean, based on everyone that we're talking to, both at Notre Dame and outside, right? I mean, it's you got two weeks to figure something out. I mean, something's got to happen. Something's got to give. Yeah. So whenever that something is figured out, we will be back to talk about it on the Shamrock. Uh, but until then, thanks so much for joining us. We hope you, you uh, enjoyed our Clarkly interview special here. Um, it's a good way to start the week on this Monday. And Matt, until we gather again to discuss the future of Notre Dame football and college athletics in general, light topics, um, thanks for joining us. You've been listening to The Shamrock, brought to you by The Athletic.